it's all about diabetes, it's all about nutrition, and it's all about how these things can impact our mental health as we age, as we're diagnosed, or as we are undiagnosed. What can we do to ensure we are living a healthy lifestyle? Uh, and more importantly, a lifestyle that would have a positive impact, not just on our bodies, our souls, but also our mental health. So topic number 13, episode 13, I would like to welcome on today's podcast, Katrina Ten. She is an expert, an author, uh, and a woman of wonders. And I hope that this podcast is going to enlighten not just yourselves, but also me on all things that are factors to consider when thinking and living with diabetes. Hi, Katrina, how are you? Hi, Tahreem, I'm very well, thank you. It's so good to finally have you on the podcast. Yes, I'm really grateful to be have, to have been invited. No, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Katrina, before we start talking about the book, which I'm really, really eager to tell all of our listeners about, and also all things diabetes, please tell us a little bit about you. Who is Katrina? I was born in Malaysia, and I spent about 20 plus years there before coming over to the UK. So I am of a Chinese origin background, and I am the only lady in my family on my mum's side. So I grew up in a very protective type of envir- environment, as you can imagine. Wow. Yeah. Yes, I can. <laughs> most, most families, the Asian type families, women are quite protected in that sense. Yeah. So I always strive to actually get my own freedom. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't so much that I couldn't speak or, you know, I couldn't do things, but more like, you know, if I wanted to go, to go out, there would be someone who would accompany me because, mm. in a way, because in, in Malaysia, it, it's a fairly safe country if you know how to survive there. But if you don't, sometimes it can be quite dangerous as well. The, the theft rate, right. the, the crime is quite a bit high as well. So yeah. this is probably why my parents were quite protective of me. However, I also strive to have my independence. So when I came over to the UK as a single person at the age of about, I think, 22, many years ago, I, you know, was just very independent from, from the word go, basically, the, the, the you know, day I landed, I was actually very independent. So I did things for myself mm. uh, because I was a student at that time. So I, I wasn't on any like benefits or, you know, financial support in a sense. So I started, uh, you know, surviving and, you know, living on my own and also learning how to do things for myself, including cooking. And I learned how to drive as well. I even took lessons on how to repair the car if anything went wrong because this was like 30 plus years ago. <laughs> when, you know, I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yes. You know, 30 plus years ago when, when you know, having the um, sort of like the AA sort of membership, the, the roadside assistance was a bit expensive if you were a student yeah. at the time. So yeah. I, I learned to do quite a lot of things on myself as well. Yeah. So that's yeah, amazing. that's about me. I came over to the UK to study accountancy. I finished my accounting exams and then I carried on to open up my own practice with a someone else mm-hmm. and yeah I, I was just working a lot of long hours and then one day I just said uh, I just couldn't be working like some days a week all the time so yeah. I, I, I told myself I said I need to do something else I didn't know what I was going to do many people when I sort of uh, resigned from my job many people thought I was crazy because you know that was like my career and then, you know, sometimes when you when you decide to do things that 
you, you just don't have a clue what, what the future holds. I mean, none of us know really for certain what the future holds for us. You know, every day, every moment is like, you know, it's totally up to God, basically. So I, I met my husband and he's into nutrition and health. And this is where I started learning from him as well. And this is one mm -hmm. of the areas I was actually very interested in anyway. So that's the, really the gist of who I am and where I come from. This is where the journey on nutrition and becoming a specialist on diabetes began when you yes. met your husband. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about, like, first of all, I'd like you to introduce your book. Uh, tell me, give me a little bit of a background on the book before I ask you more specific diabetic-related questions. So the book title is called The Diabetes Solution, a 28-day action plan for lowering blood sugar naturally. So how this book came about was we have a mentor. We, we have several mentors anyway. But this mentor, he is a, aware of our knowledge. And he's always said that, you know, we need to start documenting our knowledge because, yes, we can meet the person and explain to them one-to-one. -one, but, you know, how many people can we explain one-to-one to? -one to? So he said, you need to get documented, get your book out. We already have a YouTube channel, successful YouTube channel. In fact, two YouTube yeah. channels. However, yeah. you know, some people like to read. They are, they are old style. They prefer to read. Some people like to watch videos. So yeah. he, he encouraged us to actually have a lot of different medias of how we can actually share our knowledge. Mm -hmm. And this is how the book uh, started. Perfect. So how long has that journey been for the book? Well, this book, we we were set a target to actually complete it by the end of June. And mm -hmm. that was it, end of April. So it's actually taken us exactly two months, wow. we, which is really a, like a really good, great achievement because, you know, books take a long time to actually write and publish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's, uh, I've seen the book itself, actually, mm -hmm. for the purpose of our listeners. And it's a very uh, important. It's a very detailed um, book, but it's very easy to understand, which is what I loved about it. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't one of those complicated books where you end up confused with some of the words or some of the vocabulary. It's really user-friendly and it's very concise in what to do in terms of achieving this 28-day goal, uh, which I thought is actually something which is very achievable if you want to lower your sugar and you know manage your diabetes now before we uh delve a little bit more further into you know diabetes itself you know i just want to talk about a little bit of what your thoughts are on the impact of having diabetes or being diagnosed with diabetes uh, on our mental health as you know well, you know, when, when someone is either diagnosed as pre-diabetic, which is yeah. uh, basically the stage before you get diabetes or, you mm -hmm. know, you've been diagnosed with diabetes, it, a lot of people, when, when they get ill or they've, been, they've gone to the doctors and the doctors have said, oh, by the way, you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, they mm -hmm. immediately think that it's happened overnight. However, yeah. with most illnesses, it takes a, a long while to actually get to that stage. And this is the mm -hmm. bit where we need to remember as well. So diabetes could be uh, could have taken like say at least ten years to actually get used to that stage. Yeah. So it's important to to go back and see what sort of lifestyle you had for say the past five to ten years, mm -hmm. and remember that that has actually whatever you've done in terms of you know food lifestyle exercises uh, even in terms of thoughts would have mm -hmm. led you down that diabetic route. Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is why the book 
is actually having a 28 days to actually action plan to actually help you lower that. It is not like, yeah. you know, a, a two-hour action plan because remember again, you've spent like five to 10 years or more getting to that stage. You don't expect it to be reversed or, you know, lower your blood sugar within a couple of hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I hope, was hoping you would say is that anything that we do which is damaging to our body uh, or our mental health, it takes a while for it to actually um, become prominent, for it for us to be able to say, oh, you know, we have X, Y, Z problem. Um, there's a build up to it. Uh, and we often ignore that. We wait for the diagnosis or we wait, we wait for it to hit the peak of its, uh, you know, of its diagnosis before we deal with the problem or we decide to take any caution uh, or, you know, steps to correct it or control it. Um, and, you know, this is a very important message that I'd like to give to all of our listeners is that, you know, within our community, within especially the South Asian community, we have got diabetes in our families. A lot of us ha- carry it as a part of our genetics. And we sometimes need to be more conscious of the fact that we need to start becoming more conscious and more controlling of what we are consuming and our diets from very young rather than later in life whereby we are um, near diagnosis, you know? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Because I feel like it has a huge impact on our our mental health. You know, if you've been diagnosed with something and um, you weren't prepared, often you don't know how to deal with it. So it hits you quite severely in terms of your mental health. You know, often you find people that are poorly or been recently diagnosed with an illness, they go into depression, they start having panic attacks about it, or they start suffering from anxiety due to this diagnosis. However, if we were a little bit more prepared, a little bit more intelligent in knowing our bodies and uh, the expectations that we should have from our long-term health goals, then we'd be better prepared and our mental health wouldn't struggle or suffer as a consequence. Yes, definitely. For, for those who have the book or was going to get the book, uh, I'd like to just uh, refer you to page 13. We've actually got a chart that's like a pie chart and talks mm-hmm. about how only genetics plays only about a third about how your health is going to be. So yes, again, we, we can't control genetics based uh, passed down from our parents and grandparents. However, mm. the environment that we live in or we choose mm. to live in and the actions yeah. we take are the other two thirds. So if you've got a history of diabetes in your family, you have a great chance to actually reverse it or prevent it because wow, genetics only amazing. plays one third. And that's the good news. That's such good news. And I'm so glad you said that because I think that could really, I hope that triggers a few of us listening and really hits the spot and gets us um, motivated to uh, read the book, to follow the plan. Uh, If not even that, then at least to be a bit more conscious of what we are putting into our body. Uh Now, a little bit more specifically about diabetes, because you are, you are, um, the author of the book and you've written some really concise things in there what are the key factors to consider when de- le- developing a nutrition plan um, for so, diabetes yes yeah, so, so the key thing is that all of us have come from different cultures and you quite rightly say the south asian especially culture uh, we yeah. have a lot of customers from africa and they, mm-hmm. they are the same as well most of yeah. us we come from cultures where rice is the staple of what we eat. 
I come from Malaysia, we eat rice for breakfast. Some people <laughs> can't believe it, but we do that, right? So with, with the rice, what we have discovered that if you're eating white rice, which is the just the culture, the way uh, we're brought up with, mo- most cultures encourage us to eat white rice, it's actually the worst thing you could be eating. Because when you cook the rice, you will, you will notice that the rice is very starchy. That there's mm-hmm. normally, if you put in a rice cooker, for example, or in a pot to cook, there will yeah. normally be like a white film of uh, starch, which you can see in the pot. Mm. And that is actually one of the causes of diabetes, the starch. And also there is a test where has been done where if you have ever drunk glucose drink, I, I was brought up to drink glucose as well when, when I was young and when you got sick yeah. and, you know, you mm-hmm. just wanted to put more sugar in your body, you'll, they'll actually give you a very sweet glucose drink. The studies have shown that the white rice is actually a lot sweeter than glucose, although it doesn't taste sweet. And this is what wow. is deceiving us. Wow, that's crazy. I would never have known that. Yeah. Um, or thought that and, and to, unless you'd, you'd said it. And, oh, that's, that's crazy, honestly. Wow. Yeah, uh, okay. so, so we, we've actually encouraged others to actually swap from... Rice is fine to eat, but you need to eat the brown rice. Or there's yeah. also a red rice and a wild rice as well, different types of rice. Yeah. You can eat those, and those are actually more nutritious compared to the white rice, which has been depleted of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is the thing that we encourage most cultures to swap. Okay, okay. So that's definitely something to take into account if uh, pulling together a nutrition plan mm-hmm. for, di- for diabetes. Anything else? Any other key points? The other thing would be to eat a lot more fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, especially the greener type vegetables. And mm-hmm. there is one vegetable, which is again, there's a recipe in our book as well. In chapter eight, we've shared some recipes. There is one one vegetable which is bitter is called bitter god or karela in um, oh, the yes. asian language yeah <laughs> yeah again most people are aware of it or at least a, a lot of people are aware of it in the in the asian community however the way they've cooked it is actually also incorrect because because the, the vegetable itself is bitter and yeah. any any bitter foods is actually great for the liver as well our, our liver of the body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so most of people when they eat the vegetable they actually soak it in salt water before cooking and they really cook it overcook it and until it is really not recognizable anymore it's, it's mm-hmm. depleted of nutrients so although they may be eating the bitter god or corella they're actually not getting the full benefits of it had it been cooked the right way yeah so in the book we've actually shared the recipe of how you can actually cook it the right way to actually get the benefits so when you eat that vegetable it will still be slightly bitter mm-hmm See, that's my problem. I could, I I struggle with the uh, canola because of the bitterness of it. But I am so conscious of the fact that it's so good for you. And if there's people out there that can, you know, eat it and actually enjoy it, then you know, I am so envious of them um, because it's such a good food item yeah. to incorporate into your diet. Now we're talking about food here, but how about specific foods that they should be avoiding? Avoiding. Uh, it will be the same as or similar to any other diseases that you try to avoid. Mm-hmm. The, the, high, the, the foods that you try to avoid or must avoid are the highly processed types of foods and drinks yeah. as well. So yeah. again, what, what we notice in the Asian community especially, they tend to drink very uh, sweet fizzy drinks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And even the so-called diet versions of these fizzy drinks, they're actually, they're actually worse than, than the sugar version, the, the natural version of the uh, fizzy drinks. So all these need to be cut out as well if you want to actually avoid diabetes. Yeah, yeah. I think that one of the biggest struggles that we face with um, in, in, in current day and age is that not many people cook at home. A lot of people do cook at home, but there's a huge uh, number of people out there who are working full time, running around with families all the time. And the children nowadays have so many commitments, school clubs, after school activities, recreational activities, um, you know, various other learning things that they're going to. That a lot of the times you're seeing families being raised on takeaways or food mm-hmm. that isn't home cooked. Now, what are some effective strategies for managing these nutritional challenges that come with diabetes? Um, if you're quite often dining out or you're one of those people that goes to social events quite frequently. I, I can totally resonate with this because in Malaysia, food eating out is actually relatively cheap. And yeah. sometimes, you know, if you say you want to spend, when you convert, you could get a really good meal and you talk about maybe a, three-course three meal for as as cheap as when you convert it to the British pounds, probably about five pounds, you can actually get a real good meal. Oh, wow. I'm living so, in the wrong, wrong country, man. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So in, in Malaysia and in Asian countries, a lot of families actually eat out, as you have explained as well, or if don't they don't eat out, they'll actually do takeaways rather than cook themselves for the very reason, as you explained, people are busy, they're tired after work, they've got family commitments, and they just want to enjoy the, the meal time. So why cook, in a, especially in a hot country, when you can actually just get someone else to cook for you? So yeah, my, exactly. my, my advice to that was, we're we actually not totally against eating out. We, we do socialize as well, we eat out as well. And what we do is when we eat out, we're actually selective of what we eat as well. So, for example, we, I've mentioned the fizzy drinks. We are someone who actually don't drink those drinks unless, you know, we're totally like, have no choice and we are really thirsty. So what, yeah. what we normally do in terms of drinks, for example, we, we could carry like a bottle of water with us or a bottle of coconut water with us so we can actually have it as well. Yes, I know sometimes dining out, uh, the restaurants may not allow you to actually drink then. Then you need to choose the drinks that are less or, or rather more diabetic friendly in terms of maybe fruit juices, which you can dilute water as well, rather than the fizzy type drinks, which are full of like the, the processed type sugars. And the same with the uh, meals as well. We have been to Chinese Asian restaurants where our friends have actually ordered white rice to go with the curries and all these things. But we, we either try to eat the dishes without the rice now, it sounds a bit odd because a lot of people say, oh, the curry will taste better with the white rice, but it's actually not true. It's just a mindset shift that you need to uh, observe. And thankfully, in some countries, some restaurants, there are even restaurants now who actually serve brown rice. So you can actually order that as well. Or order something else like, for example, a chapati, which is a lot healthier than eating the white rice itself. Okay, so th- that that's good to know because those are also a lot of things that we uh, commonly order or make mistakes on when we are eating out. So it's nice that you've been able to kind of add some clarity on that. Now, talking specifically about diabetes itself, how does the carbohydrate counting or the glycemic index impact our blood sugar control for people with diabetes? Well, again, it's to do with the uh, the glycemic index of various foods. And mm-hmm. sometimes the foods, as I said, you know, the foods that we think are 
healthier because or it's okay to eat because it doesn't taste sweet it's yeah. actually the, the reverse to, to give you an example for, for diabetic people we actually encourage them to actually uh, eat potatoes such as sweet potatoes which is sweet and most diabetics would avoid that because they think sweet potatoes is actually bad for them but sweet potatoes is actually a lot healthier than eating the normal white chip potatoes okay okay so th th that's another thing that I've, I, I'm assuming your book would cover. So the kind of things that we should be eating that would be actually beneficial for us. And in terms of the glycemic index counting, uh, which would have a higher count and impact our sugar levels more, and which would have a, not such a significant um, impact. Yes, yes, we've covered these in our book as well, because we, we've when we wrote the book, we had to see what the myths are that, that are yeah. you know affecting people around the world and sometimes yeah. even when you look at advertising or even certain so-called specialists they they're not always giving the correct advice yeah yeah exactly uh, and i i think you're so right there because a lot of the times even they don't know what the right advice to give is so they're also going off on tangent on myths or notions that they've been passed down through their um, I don't know seniors in their profession or elders in their family who have said that you know this product is bad or this product is good and they just kind of use that as a guide however some people who do are who are advising us um, don't have knowledge themselves and shouldn't really be advising us um, <laughs> which is always the worst case scenario in our communities you know because we're so small well no we're not so small. we're so big but the conversations are so small that they just go round and round in circles um now obviously like you know you're diabetic you're controlling your 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 insulin by having some sort of nutritional diet plan in place and obviously i'm uh, hoping the book's going to help with all of that but are there any specific vitamins or supplements that would be beneficial for people with diabetes yes that yeah de definitely yeah. We, we we personally recommend and take a, a multivitamin which especially uh, includes the b complex vitamins okay a and those would actually be something that is is um, recommended for overall health, even if you're not diabetic, because that will actually yeah. help you prevent diabetes as well. Now, the reason why we, we recommend supplements is we tend to forget as well, our soil has been depleted of nutrients over the years of planting. Mm. So even mm. when you buy organic food, it's not necessarily that that food will actually have the nutrients that your body requires. And this is where supplements come in. Now, supplements, you need to remember, that's why it's called supplements. It's not a magic pill. It's to supplement your current lifestyle. So if you're still eat, living a very you know, unhealthy lifestyle, eating a lot of junk food, processed foods, and then you take supplements, don't expect them to work as much as if you were leading a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, of course. So with regards to the organic food as well, many people forget that when you buy these organic foods, even in the shops, they have been plucked many months ago sometimes. I've watched documentaries where the apples have been plucked like nine months to a year ago. They've yeah. been kept in you know very cold refrigeration type uh, places. And then yeah. only when the shops need it, they'll actually send those apples to the, the shop itself. And when you buy them, you're not going to eat them straight away. You're going no, to leave okay. them for a few days, a month, a, a few weeks, for example, and start eating yeah. it. And by the time you eat it, there's hardly any nutrients left. There's been studies where 
they've said that 40 years ago, if you ate a bowl of spinach or say one tomato, you'd have enough nutrients from that vegetable for the particular organ. For example, tomatoes are very good for the brain, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will, one tomato will be sufficient. Whereas now, if you wanted the exact amount of nutrients from that one tomato, you'll actually have to eat like 40 tomatoes. Oh my gosh. And nobody, can, <laughs> not even myself, eats 40 tomatoes a day, let, let alone a week, right? Yeah. And this oh is where goodness. supplements come in. I am, I am terrible with, with fruits and vegetables, but I completely agree and understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from because um, the fruit does have a long, long life uh, mm-hmm. now. And um, we, I do often wonder uh, how long the life is and why it's so long lasting you know mm-hmm. i remember once i used to live with i used to live in america for a few years mm-hmm. of my life and uh, the fruit and veg there is very different to the fruit and veg in the uk um organic is not a concept in america mm-hmm. uh, although there are organic foods and fruits there um you're the you know the, the the definition of organic in america is very different to the definition of organic in europe so you know the standards of uh, food and the uh, the protocols and the checks and everything are all very very different Anyway, um, I bought some grapes and I thought to myself, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to keep these grapes in the fridge. I kept them in the fridge and I kept them in the fridge for three months. Those grapes, Katrina, I tell you, they did not wrinkle even the slightest. Wow, there you go. And that was three months. And I told my family, I said, don't touch these grapes. I'm doing an experiment. Um, And it, it was, they were fine. And the minute I took them out of the fridge and left them out, on the dining table uh within 24 hours they'd wilted so clearly there was some sort of processing element in them that said as long as you're in a cold environment you don't wilt or you don't you know wrinkle up or go bad um but surely if you kept them out they'd go bad so i don't know maybe i was just uh, trying to find (laughs) some sort of a flaw in there but uh i just felt like that was a bit odd um whereas if whereas here in the uk it doesn't matter if you keep the fruit in the fridge or out if it's going to go bad it's going to go bad you know it's yes. got a certain shelf line it doesn't last past that um, definitely so yeah it's, it's interesting you opened up that can of worms we will definitely have a conversation on that uh, separately and um because i think that's definitely worth having a conversation on especially given how they treat the fruit afterwards before they actually sell it in terms of what they're covering it in spraying it in to preserve it and to make it look pretty sure on the shelves um, so coming back to diabetes, now we've got the nutritional element of things and we understand that, you know, we, we, this is, there's so much that we can do in terms of our diet. Um, but how about physically? Like, you know, there's a lot of people that are diabetic, quite overweight. Um, how should they be or what should they be doing to maintain a healthy weight through, diabetic, to, through their diet and exercise? Well, yeah, apart, apart from eating healthier, so mm. like I said, you, you just need to be, uh, choose better, make make better food choices. Mm. And in terms of exercising, j- just get moving a bit more because a lot of people now, they are v- we are very sedentary, especially after the lockdown while most people are working from home. We, we tend yeah. to, myself included as well, I, I know I need to actually exercise a lot more or keep a lot more movement. So. Yeah. Simple things you may have heard before, you know, park your car further away from your venue, get yeah. get down from the bus, you know, or the train one stop before and start walking. Walking is a great yeah. way to actually have that exercise, that physical activity without having to, most people can walk fairly, even if you're struggling to walk, you know, even if you're walking, say, with a cane or something like that, you can still yeah. walk as opposed to if you're going to have very vigorous type exercises. 
So walking mm. is an excellent like exercise that everyone can do. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 such a simple and uh, such a simple and clever exercise as well because it doesn't cost us any money. So it doesn't. If there's anybody that's worried about you know having to invest in um, equipment or going to the gym and signing up for a membership um there's no there's no excuses because we could literally as you said incorporate it into our lifestyles by walking that a little bit more yeah in, and even or... even at home you know if you're in, in a sort of like double story place or even an office walk up the stairs walking up and down the stairs a few times a day rather yeah, than take yeah. the lift or you know just uh, be sedentary yeah yeah perfect amazing now um katrina obviously there's different types of diabetes the type one, the type two, there's gestational diabetes. I mean, I've had gestational diabetes every time I've gotten pregnant. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific or varying um, dietary considerations for these different types of diabetes? It, it would be mainly the same. Obviously, uh, type one diabetes is more or less like, you know, you're born with it. So you, mm-hmm. you still need to control it. Every type of diabetes is basically the, the three areas, your, your lifestyle, your mindset and your the, the food that you intake as well yeah so okay. if you manage these three areas there will be a high chance that you can actually improve it or reverse it oh, amazing amazing and in terms uh, and with regards to you know the latest advancements or trends in diabetes um, nutrition research and treatments that are available is there anything that you'd say this is definitely worth pursuing one should try it out well, well, we we actually re- um, advise a number of doctors and nurses as well. They actually come to see us because mm-hmm. they haven't actually known how to fix the diabetes themselves. Be- wow. Because when we, you go down the medical route, especially, unfortunately, they've been trained. We, we've got great friends who are doctors, and they've they've told us what we already suspected. When they study for that uh, qualification they hardly learn about nutrition in, in their degrees. Doctors yes. spend seven to eight years qualifying as doctors and they're, they're great. They, they do great jobs, right, in saving lives. However, Absolutely. unfortunately, a lot of us, we are down into the fix, the, the fast fix route. So as I said, again, diabetes has taken five to 10 years to, to develop. You don't try to fix it within 10 minutes. And unfortunately, that's the route that the world is going towards because everyone wants a quick fix. They've yeah, forgotten absolutely. how long it's taken to get there, and then, for, for example, if you want if you want to travel overseas, right? You you, unless you're, I don't know, you have a, a super jet, you you can't actually get there within you know the, the fastest time compared to the traditional flying there or you know other routes. So it's the same thing when we get an illness as well. We shouldn't expect to fast track it to actually get back to where we were. Yeah, when it took yeah. us ten years to get there, so. We encourage uh, natural solutions, which is what our book is about as well. There, there are a lot of, uh, if, if you go about, back to history, a lot of the so-called modern illnesses that we unfortunately are suffering from now or generations are suffering from now, the, our older generations never went through that because yeah. the lifestyle changes has taken place over the 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. And some of these lifestyle changes are quite impact are quite impactful because you can't really change them but you have to kind of modify them and try and find um a way to live the same way we did 20 30 odd years ago without and incorporate into current trends and current uh ways of living um which is i think one of the struggles that people face 
Yeah, yes, definitely. So, you know, sometimes uh, when we have customers from, you know, say Africa, for example, who have been uh, born here, but they've gone back to Africa and they, they actually realize that whatever we've taught them, their ancestors have actually done what we've, what we've taught. And when they realize that if they followed the advice of the older generations, especially, they wouldn't be in that dilemma of illnesses that they are facing now. It's just because of lifestyle changes, the, the fast-paced yeah. movement of the world, unfortunately, where everyone's you know trying to eat out and you know do microwave-type meals, and that, that's actually all all not good. You just need to go back to the traditional way of cooking and slow yeah. cooking as well, yeah, rather than yeah. rushing your meals. Because a lot, a lot of the cooking we do these days are, you know, they're they're fast food type, you know, deep fry really quick, and that that's it. But this is not the way most food should be cooked. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, it's something we spoke about when we met. Is that it kills off the nutrients, um, exactly, and the goodness in the food. So we we should really be cooking it to preserve it, so that yes. it has the most. Uh, positive impact possible uh, when we consume it ultimately um, now obviously we've got the book uh, which I'm sure everyone's going to be quite keen to have a flick through but what other resources or tools do you think uh, or would you advise are available for people with diabetes to access reliable nutrient information and support from well there are a number of other good books out there uh, that uh, deal with diabetes as well however what we found when we were researching and writing our own book is that it's it hasn't been as comprehensive as the one we've written which is why we've actually mm. we've actually seen what's out there or researched what's out there and we've tried to our best to actually improve the book in terms of yeah, those yeah. but however there are quite a lot of good other advice out there as well and the, the other issue which we want to focus on is the mindset basically a lot of people they are not aware that various organs when it our organs get weak it's because yeah. of certain emotions, negative emotions. To give you an example, the pancreas, which is normally linked to where when, when you get diabetes, it's one of the organs that are weak, is actually the pancreas. It's yeah. linked to uh, emotions such as worry and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. So wow. many people these days, we're all worried about something, you know, interest rates going up, job losses, yeah. the pandemic, for example. A lot of it mm-hmm. causes cause a lot of negative emotions. However, so this is, you actually need to learn to manage those emotions as well. Because a lot of us, we tend to worry, we tend to fear about the future. Mm-hmm. However, fearing and worrying will not actually solve what's going to happen uh, the, the next minute or the next day. Yeah, so we need to manage that as well. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it's, I'm so glad you mentioned that because stress and emotional well-being can have a very negative impact on your overall blood sugar management and the choices that you're making in terms of your diet uh, mm-hmm. because you're under stress or you're emotionally unwell or in not in control of your emotional well-being you often sometimes would make poor choices in terms of what you consume um, and I say that just from myself that I know that when I'm feeling down mm-hmm. or a little bit depressed or a little bit sad or I'm not in a good place emotionally, what do I turn to? I turn to chocolate. Yes, comfort food. Absolutely. Uh, it's not, but you know what? I think it's wrong to call it comfort food mm-hmm. because comfort food should be good for us. 
right? I yes. Think it's uh, destruction food. Really. Yes, yes, we definitely. We really need to relabel it and, you know, change the mindset and say, no, that's not comfort food. That's destruction food. So when you are feeling in a lull or you're feeling emotional or not in control of your or well-being um, and you're binging or eating food that is labelled comfort food actually it's destruction food and we all make that common mistake of going to eat it and our pantries are full of it uh, even though we deny it and we pretend we're on a diet all the time <laughs> but, you know nevertheless it's always the case there's always a cookie hiding somewhere in the back of that cupboard <laughs> and I'm talking yeah. about my cupboard over here yeah <laughs> So I think it's so important. I'm so glad you highlighted that, that it can have an impact on our organs. So, you know, I really hope that the listeners are taking it, all of this information on board and absorbing it like a sponge. Um, and, you know, they walk away or when they switch off on the podcast, they uh, go away with positive thoughts about what they're going to eat tonight, tomorrow morning, or, you know, whenever they're going to eat next. Uh, and the positive dietary choices that they're going to make next time they feel emotionally stressed. Um, now I know I don't want to take up too much of your time and we were trying to hope to quite keep this quite concise as well um, but if I said to you um, Katrina you know can I just ask you to provide me with uh, three tips for individuals who are struggling to sticking with a diabetes friendly diet in the long term um, what would those three tips be? Well the first tip that I can think of is what you've just covered, the comfort food or the, the you know, the destruction food, as you call it. My, yeah. my, my comfort food is basically great food because I've created like, you know, sometimes when I'm feeling a bit low or, you know, in terms of lift up, I, I go for foods that are more nutritious. So yeah. what I would recommend for the, view, uh, for the listeners is keep these sort of healthier foods in your house. If you don't have these destructive type foods in your house, okay, yeah. none of us will be perfect. We'll, we'll still have some sort of, you know, go-to, but yeah. minimize the, the amount of, you know, destructive food that you keep in the yeah. house, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and the good thing is if you don't, if you're like me, who we, we, we live, um, if we want, needed to go to the nearest shop, we would have to walk at least 10, 15 minutes to the nearest shop. So that's a, yeah. a discouragement in a way if you're really desperate. So if yeah. you don't keep those sort of destructive foods in your house or drinks in your house, then you, you're not going to reach out to it. You're going to reach out to something more healthy. Yes. And the second tip would be to go into a healthier circle of friends or families. Every one of us has those negative friends or families in our lives. Uh, hopefully, if you don't live with somebody, then it'll, it'll be easier. <laughs> but if you do, then that, that's something, something else we need to talk about as well. So in your circle of friends or your families, if you have family or friends who tend to eat out and not choose, make the healthier choices then you would have to decide to maybe meet them less or socialize less with them. Mm, socialize mm. more with people who would, would rather eat healthier food rather than those who would like eat processed and junk foods all the time. And, and this applies to also if you're working in an office type environment as well. I, I, yeah. I know that when I certainly was working in the corporate world, you know, because of the traveling that I was doing uh, to, to see clients, there would be a lot of, uh, there would be a lot of, sort of uh, temptations to actually eat out, to, to buy food that's outside. So what mm -hmm. I used to do, and we, we still practice this now when we travel as well, we actually bring our own food. For example, like I said, I carry a bottle of water, I carry, carry a bottle of like coconut water, some healthier fruit juice with me all the time. And even yeah. snacks like 
uh, seeds, nuts, you know, these hand, hand, hand food, hand, handy type foods that you can carry quite easily and eat quite easily without, you know, making a mess while, while you're commuting. You need to have yeah. those sort of foods with you as well rather than mm. be tempted to buy, you know, the, the, the fast food or the convenience foods at the, at the stops where you're actually making the pit stop during yeah. your travels. Yeah. And the, the, this is especially a useful tip for those who work in the city. Mm-hmm. Most people who work in the city, they don't really pack their own lunch. It, it'll be good if, if you can actually pack your own lunch as well for work. Yeah. So that, yeah. that will save you. And it saves you money as well because these days when you buy, you know, a sandwich from a shop, it's probably not healthy as well. And then, you know, you know you're going to spend at least five pounds just for a sandwich and a drink if, if you're even lucky, sometimes even more. So when you pack mm-hmm. your own food, you're going to save money as well. Yeah, and yeah. The, the third tip I can think of is basically, like I said, keep a, keep to a healthy mi- mindset. So always, at least once a day, uh, th- there's so much resources we have access to. Uh, the, you know, there's YouTube channels, there's there's you know podcasts like these. Listen to something positive, even if it's for just thirty seconds a minute. Uh, I I got in my email, uh, I, I've subscribed to uh, a, a podcast which is actually free. And th- there's actually an email sent to me every day about j- just a motivational type uh, paragraph. Mm-hmm. So that, that encar- p- motivates the mind as well. Yeah, yeah. So th- think- these are basically the three things that I would recommend everyone focuses on on a daily basis if they can. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate those top three tips. Uh, top three tips mm-hmm. from Petrina. I hope everybody has listened to them, everybody has noted them, and everybody is going to actually uh, take them on board and make a, a make a positive difference into their daily uh, diets, into long-term changes, and debunking those notions that come with certain foods. Um, I definitely think that, you know, your top tip where you said keep good foods in the house is definitely one of them. And most importantly, the other thing that I really am going to leave with today is um, introducing B complex supplements into mm-hmm. my diet. So, you know, for all of our listeners out there, uh, you know, we urge you to um, follow Petrina, you know, go and have a look at her book, check it out. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, this could be the positive change that we all need in our diets. And, uh it could really change not just our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, but the, our mindset, which could have a long-term impact on not just our mental health, but also the uh, the impact it will have on our generations to come as well. Yep, that's absolutely right. <laughs> So, Petrina, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for giving us an insight into your world uh, and for giving us so much valuable information on diabetes and debunking it. Um, Please do let our listeners know where they can find your book and how and where they can follow you. Okay, so the book is available on Amazon. So if you just search for the book title called The Diabetes Solution and even type my name, Petrina Ten, you'll be able to locate the book. It's sort of, sort of a book which is sort of like a light greenish um, background with, with a photo of some fruits and vegetables on the front as well. So that's where you get it. And if you wanted to contact me, you can actually also email me at hello at planetwellness.co.uk. We are welcome to actually have a chat with us, how we can actually help you and guide you to a healthier he- healthier path. Amen to that. Amen to that. And I look forward to uh, having more communication with you to changing my lifestyle into a healthier path too, inshallah. Uh, 
uh, once again, thank you so, so much, Katrina, for your time. And uh, we look forward to uh, connecting with you again in the near future. Okay. Thank you very much for welcome, uh, inviting me to this podcast. No, you're very welcome. Thank you. So that's it from all of us today here at Supporting Humanities, The Unspoken Truth About Mental Health. We hope that knowing a little bit more about diabetes um, and uh, this book is going to help you with your mental health when it comes to challenges that you face as somebody who may have been diagnosed with diabetes or undiagnosed but in anticipating or has diabetes in their family um, let's change our mindset let's change our mental health and let's move forward um, with uh, you know a better way of living introducing dietary changes into our life uh, which could potentially have a long-term impact from generation to generation to generation um, that's it for me you're listening to Terry Noor and I will catch you on the other side very soon Assalamu alaikum.